welcome, 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 listeners. This is episode number 49 of the Fret Talk podcast. You are here with your host, Mr. Budget Pedal Chap, and you are here with uh, Mr. Matt Quine, joined again. Say hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. How are you, Matt? Not too bad. Not too bad. I'm slowly recovering from the, the like, four-day hangover that I had from the, <laughs> like, eight-day drink, drinking sesh that was TT. I mean, some would say it's it's just sanctioned alcoholism. Others would say it's TT. So. Yeah. I mean, you could call it whatever you want. It, it, was, yeah. it was good fun. <laughs> Yeah, by by any other name, it, it's still rampant alcoholism. Well, I mean, there's there's a, a way to just dis- that the Isle of Man is described by a lot of people, which is eighty thousand alcoholics clinging to a rock. <laughs> Sound. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, I I I drank a lot. I went out, watched a lot of music, and played the, those gigs that I spoke about last week, and just really enjoyed myself. Cool. Uh, any uh, any acts that really kind of wowed you from that? The best act I saw were a local tribute act called Little Bit of Rosie, who are an ACDC tribute act, and they were absolutely fantastic. I've seen them a couple of times. Yeah, they've got a new guitarist in this year um, who. It plays in like seven other bands over here, so I knew he was good anyway, but <laughs> yeah. he's just slotted right in and yeah, they were just absolutely bang on. And they don't do like the Donington ninety four set that everybody knows. They they kinda of throw different bits in, like they throw the jack in there and they threw a couple of other ones that you know you don't hear that often. They they haven't yeah. just gone for A C D C's greatest hits, they've gone for their favourite tracks of A C D C, which I think is quite cool. Yeah. I mean, it's it's always uh, always a bonus when you get to like discover some some tracks that you you might have forgotten or some that you you haven't even heard before because yeah. the band are just so into uh, into who they're tr- doing the tribute to. Yeah, yeah, and like I say, they they were all absolutely fantastic. Ad the singer has got a, a really good voice for. He's he's more of a Brian Johnson kind of vocal, but it's it's just absolutely. It's it's just fantastic, and they were all really really good musicians, and it just it went down an absolute storm. Yeah, there was there was about four thousand, but it was in the the bigger the, the venues, and there was just every single person was just up bouncing around, having a really good time, just great fun. You can't help it, but with a uh, with ACDC music, can you? Yeah, it just kind of gets everybody going. Yeah, it's it's not incredibly complex, but it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need no, to be flashy and showy. It's just good, hard, kind of rocking. Enjoy yourself. Yep. Kind of stuff. Um, Very much so. The listeners may may have picked up already that I am finding it so, so difficult to breathe today. Uh, of all the things that I've decided to be allergic to, uh, summer is essentially uh, my choice. Preach. I know. So if I do make some like nasty ass snorting sounds um today it is it is because of the hay fever. Um so I do apologize, but hey ho. Needs must. The the pod must go on. It must. So uh so what else have you been up to this week, Matt? 
Uh, I took down the PA and the big stage from the the, the bigger event, uh, the bigger venue for this week. So the, it was all put up by the event company that I work for. So yeah, we I took that down this weekend. Um, I've bought a X Vive Phase King. Which oh is yes, a, you did. Yeah, yeah. A little eighteen volt phase pedal. Um, oh, based damn! On eighteen volt. Eighteen volt. Um, it came with a power supply, but one of the bricks underneath my board has got an 18 volt out, so be fine. But it's based on the Phase 90, so it's a Phase 90 kind of circuit. So I've, I've never owned a Phase pedal that's not in a multi effects. Yeah. So I thought I'd give this one a go. It was going for 25 quid, so you can't really say no at that kind of price. Yeah, I'm sure I've done similar things. Yeah, well, basically, I saw the, the, this guy was selling five or six pedals. By the time I noticed his post, about three hours after he posted it, he only had two left. So I thought I'd pick this up. I, the other thing was something that wouldn't get on my board. It, it was a cheap drive pedal that just, yeah, it's not going to get on my board at the moment. Hey, net, net wrong with cheap drive dri- pedals. There isn't, but when you've already got like eight drive pedals that are competing for the two spots on your board, <laughs> you don't really need another one. Yeah, no, preach, man, preach. I, uh, yeah. I realised this week, because I, I did a, um, a band practice, and it sounded fucking amazing. Uh, I mean, I say that every time we do a band practice. Um, <laughs> but I realised I use uh, seven out of the eight pedals that I've got on my board. There was one pedal that I didn't step on once during the practice. What Was it the Mojo Mojo? It like wasn't. The no, the Mojo Mojo gets a gets a good old <laughs> scene too. Like the look on your face was saying, and it's my favourite pedal. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that one's uh, that's my go to. That is, I've got um, a Mojo Mojo as my uh, as my main drive, but I've also got a um, Marshall Blues Breaker One clone um, yeah. called so the, one the you made. Yeah, the Pink Buster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it makes me smile every time. Um, but yeah, that's the, the the Pink Buster's slightly darker sounding um, and lower gain, so it's it's great for um, kind of single coil rhythm and kind of bluesy stuff. And the Mojo Mojo just kicks your head in, so it's uh, it's a good one. <laughs> uh, but yeah. then you 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 can stack them together as well to get like proper rocking tones. Um, and then my boost is a uh, a tube screamer clone. It's uh, it's the the Moor Green Mile. Right. Okay. Um, which again, you click on that and pretty much instant harmonic feedback. Um, but then also like loud enough to solo with. Yeah. So just because well, the, there's there's uh, there's parts in songs that we do where I need to hold a note and just. You step on that uh, the the green mile on top of those two, and it just every time, every time yeah. it's in the right the right place. So I'm loving that. That's um, one thing I d- I didn't mention about those TT kings. I did. I broke out the Gretsch for a couple of songs where I've got to hold um, feedback, and all I needed to do was put the two screamer mini on, and the guitar just started to shake. <laughs> and it was just and it was just like you could hold the note and you just. Deaden all the other strings and then just mess around with the the um, the Bigsby 
and like I could I could move. All I had to do to change the volume was turn my body right ninety degrees, and it would get <laughs> louder. And then you turn it left, and it would get quieter again. So I was basically dancing while shaking the <laughs> shaking the vibrato. <laughs> Just nice, abs- having an absolute whale of a time. Yeah. Uh, uh, highly recommended for anybody who can turn up a couple of valve amps <laughs> stick on a tube screamer and have a hollow body guitar because it's just great fun you don't yeah. even have to play <laughs> i mean that that was pretty much what i was doing at the practice I was, it was it was going through my gibson mid-tone so yeah. i mean it's not like a traditionally um traditional semi-hollow because it's more chambered than hollow yeah, but because of those sand holes, there was a lot of vibration going through the body, and it was just like. Mm. There's a yeah. great trick you can do as well if you've got a note that is um, ringing out. Say you're ringing out on like the G string or whatever. Wanky wanky. Um, <laughs> if you if you touch over the <laughs> that <laughs> took you by surprise that didn't it? Um, I wasn't ready for it. Touch over like the the harmonic spots on the uh, on the string as well, and it it yeah. then g- gets the fundamentals and the these these different uh, overtones. Yeah, and it's absolutely beautiful. You can get yeah, you can go from like from a standard G note to then like a B and a D and a... yeah, yeah, brilliant. messing around with things. I I love little little quirks like that. Like I know the um, the F hole on my Cabernita. I know that that chamber is its resonant frequency is G sharp because every time the bassist plays G sharp, I get a bit of waft of air out of the F hole. <laughs> you don't want to get a waft of air out of your F hole, do you? <laughs> I believe they call that queefing, Matt. <laughs> You're a terrible person. <laughs> oh my! Oh dear. Hey, Mr. Darcy. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, busy week of alcoholism and just general good times at the, over on the Isle of Man. Sounds sounds like it. Yeah, we're just about kind of getting back to normal. Um, we've had the first spell of rain in like three weeks, which was oh. yeah. I mean that yeah. that's part of the reason why I'm um worse than I was during winter during like the flu season. The, yeah. Just because, yeah, you'd think like super bright sunshine would would kick off high fever. Nah, that you, you're pretty much all good then. But it's the calm before the storm. Yeah, and when the I've, when the water comes down, it just kicks up the pollen and the the little flower bastards are in full yeah. force, aren't they? So yeah, I've had I've had hay fever really bad today. We we basically had the worst thing. We had. Lots and lots of heavy rain followed by high winds to really shift that pollen around. <laughs> yeah, just to get it right up your nostrils. Yeah, so oh. yeah, it's been been a rough couple of days. Indeed. Oh, I was mentioning my pedal board, weren't I? The the pedal that didn't that don't get stepped on. Yeah, pretty sorry, much. I I, dis- I distracted you with my. No, it's, uh, all, it's all good. Gretch. I, yeah, distract me with your f hole, all you like. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, I, I've got a phaser and I've got a chorus, um, but I've, uh, the, the phaser's actually set quite subtle, so it almost um, emulates a wah, like an auto wah, because it's, yeah. it, it's quite sweepy, and it's, it's a phase 90 clone. Um, it's the Joyo one, the um, vintage phase, is it? 
um, yeah. which I actually prefer over the, the Phase 90 itself because it's more yes. predictable. The, uh, the Phase yeah. 90, there's it's volume discrepancies all over the shop. Um, right, okay. But yeah, I basically use it as a war um, because I can't be asked to stand in one place and move my foot, essentially. Yeah, I scrapped having a war pedal on my board because... Ness, too much effort. Well, they're, they're big, aren't they? And I'm, I'm, I'm using two hands. I don't want to move a foot as well. It's kind of too yeah. much effort. Uh, yeah, I, I run the risk of falling over if I'm having to do too much. Forget to balance. Yeah. I know that feeling. Uh, so yeah, the the the, uh, the Joyo vintage uh, vintage phase is is very much a lifesaver on that. I use it for like all the funk stuff, pretty much. But whenever I'm doing funk chords. It's got that, that subtle kind of wah rock to it. Um, but I use it for a lot of our rock tunes as well to get that thin Lizzy tone. Yeah. Um, and the the chorus, I pretty much max out everything um, to almost emulate a rotary sound. It's, it's, not, it's not there. You wouldn't ever mistake it, but it's close enough for me. Right, okay. So it's not kind of... It's even more excessive than 80s chorus. Is that what you're saying you do? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's, that's the wrong way to use chorus. You tame it with a mix control and oh. just kind of get those sweepy, awesome overtones rather than maxing everything. No, I, I, I completely agree. The like, chorus, when used subtly, is beautiful as well. Um, I have, at points in the past, used chorus to enhance clean tones and... And kind of add uh, just a, uh, a a warmth to the to the clean, um, but no, I, I went the complete opposite way. I can't remember who inspired me to do that, but I just thought, yeah, max the crap out of it, and it sounds brilliant. <laughs> right, okay. I'll have to share. I'll have a, to uh, I mean, what I, what I intend to do every time I go to band practice, I intend to like put uh, put my phone up and do a, a quick recording. But the sound is so good in the room that I don't want to stop playing. So, <laughs> to yeah. catch twenty two, it is. But yeah, yeah I, I, need to, I need to try that with my chorus. See if I like up the mix to kind of like arm, and then yeah. up at like the speed all the way up and the whatever the other one is. Yeah, depth. depth. Um, I think the the speed's quite high, but I don't think the depth is quite full because I think if you do that, it then just sends out a tune. Um, mm-hmm. But if I if I've got a, a moment over the next week or so, I'll uh, I'll do a quick demo of what my uh, my little Moa Ensemble King sounds like. Because honestly, it sounds sounds great. Oh, okay. Um, but I look forward. To and then we get to the the last pedal in the channel. It never gets stood on. It's the delay. Delay? That's because you don't need delay, do you? Um, apparently the, not. The, the PV's got some reverb built in, which is far better. Um. I, I don't use that either. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this week I actually accidentally left the reverb on. Um, Accident. I did, yeah. It was like, Accidentally. It was on three. No. What you did was you went, oh, that sounds good. I'll set the amp like that. <laughs> no, I, 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 wish I, uh, I wish I could say that was the case, but no, it weren't. Um, I, I accidentally left it on. Um, but I found, like, the. The the last couple of times I've I've been using my um my band pedal board, I haven't been using the delay at all. 
Uh, so it might be time time to shift it and put something really crazy on there. Like a reverb pedal. Fuck reverb. <laughs> no, like you say, if I wanted reverb, I've got a perfectly good spring uh, in, in my PV. Yeah. Um, and it does. It sounds good. It sounds really good. Well, you see, you're you're going the opposite way to me. I've started using delay more and more <laughs> in the in the set. So, like, I'm now finding places where I used to whack one of the reverbs up quite a lot, yeah. and I'm now not putting the reverb up as much and adding delay on the top of it as well. So there's bits like there's a there's a like middle eight in disco 2000 where i use it there's the end of bubbles by biffy clyro where it just kind of you get that big hall kind of sound yeah, but yeah i find that if i use the hall sound on the reverb back it down a little bit and then add delays on top you just kind of get even more overtones so yeah i just started playing with adding delay in places where i used to just use reverb and actually the two complement each other quite well they do. Who'd they have do. thought it? Yeah. Who'd have thought it? It this is uh this is like a, a documented um documented conversation of us growing as people now, isn't it? Yeah. I mean we I still mean, make dick jokes. So Well, yeah, you've got to. It's, baby steps, man. You baby steps. You can't stop making dick jokes. It wouldn't be the <laughs> podcast if there weren't any dick jokes. I know, yeah. It'd be like the, it'd be like the news, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know, this week Fender's <laughs> done this. This week Gibson probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Hashtag Lexus. <laughs> we should actually talk about that, shouldn't we? Probably. Um, we'll do that in the in the kind of newsy segment. Um, before that, it's my turn for a uh, for a bit of guitar therapy, isn't it? It is. Uh, so, what have I been doing this week? Um, yes, I've been watching YouTube essentially, um, which is it's a pastime. Um, <laughs> I recently rediscovered a, a YouTuber who makes me in equal parts want to cry and pick up my guitar and play loads. Um, his technique and ability is beyond flawless. And to boot, he went from being a pretty chunky gentleman to being absolutely shredded. So, I mean, very inspiring. Sounds like the ultimate prick. I want to be him, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, his name's Rick, so it's only go. one one letter away, isn't it? It's Rick Graham. <laughs> um, I, I first kind of picked up on him probably about four or five years ago, um, and he was doing stuff with Lick Library. Um, just if you've not seen him before, um, he was doing um, a note for note cover. Um, and Lick Library kind of lesson videos for uh, Cliffs of Dover by um, Eric Johnson, which is not an easy song. No, no. I've, um... I've attempted <laughs> I think that's to... one way you can put it. Yeah, I've, I've attempted to, to to learn parts of it, like the parts that didn't seem so difficult. And I, I, really I only get like about five seconds in before... <laughs> Eric Johnson does something that I can't. That's a lot more than me. Generally, I get like five notes in and go, nah, I can't do that. Yeah, he's with his super freaky hearing and in uncanny ability to play guitar. Yeah, um, I mean, what's that all about? <laughs> but yeah, Rick Graham is one of those as well. He's, he's a very talented chap. 
he doesn't just do the shred stuff as well. He does some like kind of nylon string classical stuff as well. So he's an actual musician rather than just being a uh, shreddy shreddy red shredman. Um, so he can do like melodies and like soulful. He can, yeah. As well as widdly 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 widdly. Yeah, but he does he does widdly widdly very well. There's a there's a guy who I know who um, he's a, he's a very kind of um, virtuosic shred kind of guy, um, and I I showed him Rick Graham about four years ago, and he went holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Rick Graham ain't messing about. Um, but there was there was uh, one video that I watched this uh, this week. Uh, it's not uh, one that he didn't do so long back as well, actually. Um, but it kind of really, really struck home to me. Uh, and it really opened my eyes to to a little um, a little something with guitar playing. So uh, the, the video itself was, uh, it was titled something like One, uh, one Trick That Will uh, like Completely Transform Your Guitar Playing. Like a really kind of clickbaity title. Uh, like what? <laughs> yeah, be a better player in five minutes. Um, but then I, I I watched it and it it went on to like describe like the the tension and like controlling, uh, being able to control the amount of tension you use underneath your fingers when playing guitar. Uh, so that that piqued my interest because I I have uh, problems with tension and um, get wrist complaints as well. Uh, and he does this little exercise in it where he will uh, he says something like you, you when you first pick up your guitar like play a couple of notes then um, find a note on, on one of the strings and just like gently gently touch your finger on the string and keep plucking the note increasing the, the pressure underneath your finger until you're getting a good quality sounding note out of that, uh, out of the, the, the pressure. Um, and you'd be surprised how little pressure you actually have to put down for the, uh, for the string to ring out. Uh, and I did it myself. Um, and I found I was probably using about half as much pressure as I would be doing usually. Yeah, this is one of the things that my guitar teacher used to try and like get into my head was that you you shouldn't ever be pressing hard with your left hand. It needs to be as light as you physically can for you to get as long as you possibly can playing the guitar because the more extra pressure you're putting there that doesn't actually need to be there, the more you're going to cause like RSI kind of injuries or, or oh, yeah, that yeah. kind of injuries in the future. So if you can lighten off your touch when you're first starting, you'll give yourself an extra 20 years of playing at your ability yeah um i think it, like in terms of like finger pressure i i'm not uh a, a, like a, a hard pressing guy i'm not ham-fisted in any way I'm, I'm quite delicate when it comes to pressing but even even my kind of soft touch underneath the uh under the fretboard could be made even softer with using this kind of uh this awareness um, and and it means that you instead of playing for twenty minutes before fatiguing, 
you could play for an hour. Um, yeah. And and again, it's uh, decreasing the the chance of you harming yourself while doing it. Yeah, it's it's probably my biggest weakness. I I clearly I'm not a wonderful guitar player. I don't do shred. I can't do fast techniques. I'm just not that kind of guitarist. I'm a if I, if I'm not playing covers where I'm just playing whatever needs to be played, I'm a very bluesy kind of soulful. Stuff. I don't I don't do a lot of the the faster licks. But I'd say my biggest problem with my playing is I get when I get carried away, everything gets harder. So my right hand <laughs> gets more tension, my left hand gets more tension. I'm gripping onto the neck so hard that I could probably like snap it. By just flicking the wrist slightly, and instead of like lightly, str- lightly strumming, it's just kind of like you're digging in with the fret of the thing, and the the, the picks leaving like indentations in your finger and your thumb because you're gripping it that hard. And yeah, all of the things that you shouldn't do. When I get carried away, that's what I do, and I just i I've never been able to tame that. Yeah, sorry, just there was there's so many uh so many things you were saying there <laughs> that were just innuendo city. <laughs> I think, I yeah. The listeners can can work it out for themselves. You can, you can make your own jokes, there, guys. I mean, you've you've heard enough of this to know where I'm going with it. So I'm not even going to say it. You can, you can make it up. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But yeah. No. Completely true. Like all joking aside, that is it's completely true. Um, it's something that if you if you can tame that and you can be more aware of it, you're gonna be able to play faster and for longer and without straining as much um and i found that watching watching rick graham um inspired me a bit i mean he makes it look so effortless i just thought oh yeah of course i'll be able to play some arpeggios and then <laughs> oh, no my fingers don't work like that yeah um but it does it inspires you seeing someone playing like that well and you're thinking well, the way he's just described it, it does make sense. All it requires is a little bit of practice. Yeah. Um, that's that's definitely where I fall down all the time, <laughs> is that little bit of practice. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I find it quite interesting. So I, I, not that the guy needs any of our help to, to, to pass listeners over and viewers over, <laughs> but if, if you do feel so inclined, he's, uh, he's quite a tasteful, uh, tasteful guy. Um, and shreds like absolute m- m- just mental. Um, so yeah, I've I've watched a bit of YouTube this uh, this week, um, and I've also done some guitar effects. I've wired up a couple of those. One of which is going to Matt. It is that it's a, another fuzz that was going to be the second fuzz I've ever owned. Yes, but it's the first one was that weird box fuzz. <laughs> that correct the the f u x x was. But yeah, there's no other <laughs> way of pronouncing that fox fuzz. Yeah, yeah. fox fuzz. Yeah, um, uh, which was not the right kind of fuzz for me. There's two kind of fuzzes. There's the low end kind of fuzzes, and there's the high end kind yeah. of frequency fuzzes. And this was a very kind of high yeah, end, very nasally, very undefined. Thin. I didn't particularly like it at all. Yeah, the fuzz sounds that I like on records are quite deep and quite boomy and quite bottom end heavy. So hopefully that's what. Well, certainly that's what this one's kind of based on, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. I think um, 
the the black keys were mentioned a bit when uh when talking perfect. about this one. Um, perfect because I love that kind of gold on a ceiling by the black keys, that kind of like without the octave at the at the end bit, but yeah, just there that in fact that that entire album, all the fuzz all over that is just that's my kind of fuzz. <laughs> yeah. Um I, I mean about a year ago I I I was exactly in your position where I, I hadn't owned a fuzz that was good. It was just yeah, like some cheap cheap nasty fuzzies. Um and they they don't really do fuzz any justice. Um uh, and whenever I uh wire one of these um these fuzz pedals up, I end up losing about half hour to the testing process because they're just so just inspiring. testing that it works with all of the notes. Yeah, yep, well that's it, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's one of those that it, it's such a such a kind of guttural sound that you end up playing like really kind of riffy music. And I ended up writing like three or four killer riffs just by yeah. testing these verses. You see, that's the kind of thing I want, like just something that makes me play a bit different. And that's like, I don't have any fuzz, so I've never kind of messed around with fuzz. So I don't know what's going to like inspire me to play. Whereas like, you know, you get a distortion pedal and you know exactly the kind of things you end up playing. You get a drive pedal and you know the kind of things, but like... I just want to, and it's my own fault for not buying a bloody big muff because they're like forty quid, and I've still not bought a big muff. No, I'm like, even I'm, just a normal exactly, one. I'm in that exact boat. It's like, why don't I just do it? But then, like, something else comes up, and you go, "I'll buy that instead." And yeah, but yeah, hopefully, I'll start to learn fuzz. I'm a little bit apprehensive about using it with the Vox because obviously, Voxes are very kind of yeah, they're a bit picky, aren't they? picky with with drives that you can put in them but i think um if i end up putting it on the board yeah i'd probably put it on in fact i'm considering having two boards one for the pure tone and one for the vox that's that's where i'm going with this at the moment that's that's an interesting setup um and then what i would say is if if you are putting it in a signal chain put it at the front um yeah it needs to because it is, it's, it's one of those, yeah, it's one of those fuzzies that um, I don't think it it particularly gets like the tone gets bad. I think it just uh, like pulls the noise out of other pedals if it's not at the front. So hypothetically, if I run a digital wireless system, it's probably not the best idea. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. You'd have to test it. I'll test it, but I mean, I don't mind like. I I don't know whether this is going to go on the gigging board. I don't like I say I don't even know whether I'm going to decide to go two boards. So well, we'll find out. If I go two boards, then it will be on the one without the wireless system anyway. Yeah, it will be on the one that's hidden away from public consumption because it's <laughs> a fuzz that has got a picture of some testicles on it. Yeah, and the following the following <laughs> pedal after it will be a, a a red a small red one knob boost that's got a knob on it. <laughs> Classic. I want a I, I want a, a green muffy big muff clone next. Well, I've got a I've got a circuit board kicking around somewhere. I'm sure I can make that happen. <laughs> yeah, you can draw me a forest or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gonna be much worse than that. Gonna be much worse. I'll end up having to pay you to take this on. 
I, I don't think that's going to be... I, I, I'm as childish as you are. And that's why this podcast works. It is. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I built the fuzzies. The fuzzies were good. Uh, the, the Tube Screamer Mini, I finally got wired up and didn't work. Um, but I'm not going to dwell on that. I am at peace with that at the moment. Very I'm not, mature of you. I'm not yet sweary and throwy yet. So. Well, you think you might possibly know the answer. Yeah, I mean, so. potentially. We've got got some troubleshooting to do, but I think, yeah, I think it might not be too difficult, potentially. Who knows? Next week, I might be swearing. So. <laughs> yeah, well, fi- f- hang on. Find yeah. out next week. That's it. Stay tuned. Um, but I think we're gonna we're gonna move on to our our new segment for this week, our new segment which is called use views. It's use views, <laughs> listeners. It's use views. And this is why you should be in the face of the Facebook group. Indeed. Anybody that's not in the Facebook group, you could have had your views on the podcast this week if you'd have just been there. So yeah, get yourselves in the Facebook group. Indeed. And when we post. Post questions like Adam did, then you know answer them. Yep, um, exactly as Matt said. These are views. What come from yous? So we've got a couple of our uh, our podcast uh, group members have submitted statements or kind of questions. No, they're all statements. Um, and the uh, the premise of this uh, this segment is that. One of the hosts, either me or Matt, or whoever is on that week, needs to um, totally back the corner of that statement, <laughs> which can be quite difficult. Yeah, because um, please, please note we are not doing anything about Arctic Monkeys album, Stuart. Shut up! <laughs> not this week. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> So, not, yeah. yeah, I mean, we'll springboard from that, and Stuart can be our first um, can be our first statement to kick off the use views. Um, so his statement says: boutique pedals are overpriced, and you are better off with Boss. <laughs> so, totally. <laughs> have you got um, any argument against this? Yeah, argument number one. Um, the boss chorus versus the analog man chorus. Uh, boss choruses do that horrible eighties thing, and because they don't have a mix control, like the the CE two, the one that everybody raves over, but it didn't have a mix control, so it just kind of only does that horrible eighties oversaturated rubbishy chorusy sound. Whereas the analog man, what they did is they went, right, we'll look at that circuit and we'll. Tweak it ever so slightly. Oh, and we'll put a mix control on there so you can actually fucking use it. <laughs> well, to to come at this from from the other angle, uh, because we know that I'm a, a boss aficionado here, um, that is not correct. Um, the the original uh, bosses, uh, boss the boss CE one was a, a keyboard thing. We don't need to worry about that. The CE yeah. two, as you said, uh, was a two knob. Uh, which just had rate and depth. So, yep, completely fair cop with that. Although, um, the Analog Man is based off the CE2. 
it so, is, but they've they've improved it in every single way, without, and then added a mix control so to with, improve it just again. <laughs> but without the boss, there would be no analog man. But uh, since then, there's the uh, the super chorus, um, which has got four controls, which I believe one of them is uh, like a, a a level or intensity or something like that. Yeah, um, and it's very digital sounding. Um, it's not the greatest chorus sound in the world. The guitarist, the other guitarist in my band uses it, and I hate it. <laughs> Maybe that's just the tone that he wants to dial in. Po- possibly. It might be the fact that he's played a strat. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, an argument for another use views, that one. Uh, but then you, if you don't like that, the sound of that one, there's the, the, uh, the chorus, the chorus ensemble is it the ensemble chorus yeah um which is a, a, a different take on it yeah and you know they do different takes but boutique pedals do the sound that you want whereas boss kind of do approximations of a lot of sounds they don't have that exact sound you want yeah well the the original the original chorus probably would have been something boss um and um, the MD500 is a thing. Yes. Um, which is a boss pedal and which arguably could get you any of that territory. Okay. And it'll get you close, but the boutique pedals will just get that little extra out of exactly what you wanted. But we'll move away from from the modulation side. And I'll just say what everyone is thinking. Boss, do not make drive pedals that stack well with other pedals. Um, I would... Uh, I mean, they, they have made some terrible drive pedals. I will completely put my hands up and, uh, and admit that one. Um, however, the, the Blues driver is kind of universally known for, for stacking quite well. Uh, the super overdrive is one that has been cropping up in our uh, uh, little community quite recently. It is, uh, but the problem with the super overdrive is everyone's saying that it's going to replace the tube screamer because you can use it on its own. But that's not what a tube screamer is for. A tube screamer is there to either push your other drive pedals or push an already distorted amp, and they're using the super overdrive into clean amps and then using it as a, a standalone overdrive and that's not what anybody uses a tube screamer for. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it, it does have a, a slightly different um or can have a different use, but it, it can do the tube screamer thing uh, it quite well. Can, but it doesn't do it as well as a tube screamer does. But it but it's also got the added versatility that the the tone knob then takes it into a, a place where it can be used as a uh, a standalone drive as well. So it's Arguably more versatile than the the tube again, screen that it's replacing. Do you do you want a pedal that does three all right sounds, or do you want a pedal that does that one sound that you really wanted and it does it better than the boss? Yeah. Hey, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna put it out there and say um, I was very much on a boss hating crusade, and when I tried the super overdrive, it it pretty much put the uh, put the brakes on that then. The, the Super Overdrive is a good, good pedal. Yeah, but it's, yeah, I'd still, it, it wouldn't get onto my board. I, 
I could guarantee that I would try one and it wouldn't knock the hot cake or the Tube Screamer Mini off the board. Indeed. I think, to be fair, that's where we're going to leave it for the the uh, the the boss. Um, boss versus boutique rant today. And for our for our listeners, get in the um, get in the Fret Talk podcast group and tell tell us who won. Yeah. So because it was me, we'll uh we'll we'll have a little tally on that one. So let us know who won boss versus boutique. Next one, uh, next one up is uh, from Toby. Uh, he says the PRS Silver Sky is offensive to all of the great strap designs of the past. Well, of course it is. It's offensive to any strap. What they've done is they've gone, right, strats need a six-in-line headstock, so we'll not have that. And they need to have the same body shape as everyone else, so we'll cut a little bit extra away. (laughs) And they need to be a certain scale length, so we'll just change that ever slightly. And they've just basically gone, fuck you to the Scratacaster. Um, so I'm taking it that you are you're running with the the theme of of Toby's. I, I'm agreeing with Toby. So you're you're going pro pro Toby. So you're you are basically being Toby for now. I am. Um, so I then I've been given the difficult job again for this one, haven't I? Because I now have to say as to why the PRS Silver Sky is not a complete abomination. Um, it almost goes against everything I've been saying for the past probably two months. Um, but I'll give it a go. Um, it's a PRS. It's going to be built very, very well. Um, something which um, I believe Fender aren't doing with as much consistency these days um, until you get up yeah. to very, very high prices. I don't know. What was the price of the uh, the Silver Sky? Uh, two one nine nine, I think. Oh yeah, I'd say you probably get a decent strap for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I dare say you'd probably get a decent strap for that. And it, and if you did get a fender strap, then you'd get a fender strap that had fender scale length, and you know what, just looked like a Stratocaster rather than some weird hybrid thing. <laughs> um, but. Take, taking the argument from uh, from PRS's standpoint, if they would have just made a uh, a Strat copy, what sets that aside from the rest of the market? Every other company has got a Strat copy, and almost shamelessly ripping off uh, Fender to an exact. Whereas be. Because the Strat is an iconic instrument, it is. Um, but it's 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 Fender's iconic instrument, um, and what PRS have done is they've very much put their stamp on, almost like we were talking talking last week about um, how a good cover is one that takes themes from the original, but then makes it their own. The PRS Silver Sky is taking parts the the uh, parts of the Stratocaster which they feel make the Stratocaster um, its its very own instrument, but then are melding it with some of the PRS ideals to make what is aesthetically a uh, 
a very distinctive instrument. But if you take, let's take Sir as an example, and we'll we'll what we'll do is we'll put a photo of a Sir Classic that's in the same price range, a custom shop Fender or whatever the the level of Fender that's the the same kind of price range, and the the, the Silver Sky, and we put the three next to each other, <laughs> and we take a person who has absolutely no knowledge of the guitar, yeah, and say, have a look at these and pick. Two, they will pick the Fender and the Sur because they look normal. They don't look broken. They do. Um, however, if you took that exact same um, test, so the same premise where you've got those three guitars, and you ask that person which one of those is the uh, the classic Fender Stratocaster, you're probably going to get a 50-50 split where they they can't even tell that the Sir's a different instrument. Whereas, yeah. I don't think you'll ever get anyone confusing the, the PRS for it. Yeah. No, I guess you're right. Um, so, the, the fact that it is something new uh, and it's got people talking about the guitar, hasn't it? I mean... There was there was an absolute storm of publicity around that. There was absolute storm. You're right. We're not mentioning what kind of storm. It was a storm <laughs> of publicity. A uh, meme storm of publicity. It was, yeah, no, but it it got it got people talking, and since I've seen people buying them and saying that they're absolutely fantastic, and in fact. Um, I believe Andy, Andy Guitar Geek, Mister Mister Joe Hollywood, uh, <laughs> has has played one and said that it was it was a very nice, uh, very nice instrument. I I mean I don't doubt that it's a nice instrument, but it's not a Stratocaster in the way that Stratocasters are Stratocasters. Oh, it's um. Well, the, the question it, says that it's... Uh, well, the statement, sorry, says that it's offensive to all the great strat shapes. And my argument is that it's not trying to be a strat. It's it's a three-single-coil guitar with a tremolo system that goes one way. No, it's... it's what else is it trying to be? It's it's a homage, but it's not, it's not a strat copy. My argument is that... Uh, the the companies that uh or like more directly rip off the Stratocaster are more offensive to to the Fender than the PRSs. Kind of get get where you're coming from, but at the same time, yeah, nope, the, wrong. Cla- <laughs> the classic Sirs are better than the current Fenders. So yeah, I mean there is that. I think uh, again. In in our Facebook group, let let's know who won. Is it Matt Toby or is it Mister Budget Pedal Chef? Final one, final one. And this one's uh, this one's a strange one. This one's f- uh, from our good friend uh, Mister Fletcher, aka the the pickup guru, um, <laughs> and he simply says, "Jazz masters are great." Go on, I'll let you pick whether you want to say that you're on Fletcher's side or... 
Um, well, you've you've owned a Jazz Master, but I've got arguments for Jazz Masters being great. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take this one. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be Mr. Fletch with this one. Okay. So you want me to start off because Jazz Masters? I I mean, I got rid of mine. Um, trem system is dreadful. The the strings don't say in the saddles, and the single coils are a bit weird sounding. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, so those are all very strong points <laughs> straight out the gate. Very strong points. Um, <laughs> the 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 trem system, you fully get that one. I can't even argue against that because it is notorious. I mean, like it's notorious amongst uh, Jazzmaster owners that they switch the bridge system out for a Mustang uh, bridge because they're slightly more stable or they get um, upgraded versions like the Mastery Bridge or there are other different types as well, aren't there? Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, 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 you've got that in the bag. That is definitely something that I cannot argue against. Um, however, um, the, the pickups being weird and jangly and, and whatnot, um, there are kind of two arguments that can be made against that. The, um, the Jazzmaster that you had was the Squire VM, was it's it? Monogy. Yeah, so they were Duncan design pickups. They weren't the most expensive pickups in the world. Yeah. Um, I, I must admit that I've not had a huge amount of experience with Jazzmasters. However, the Jazzmaster that I did have a go on had Fletcher pickups in them. <laughs> Circling back to, uh, the, the, to the map. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... They uh, they had the signature toppiness, but without being shrill. And they were very, very usable. Um, dialed in just right, you can almost get stratty tones out of it, which is pretty cool. Um, but the, 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 the kind of the strength of the argument that I've got for Jazzmasters being great is that for a dual pickup guitar, they are so versatile. So, so versatile. Um, so, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the Jazzmaster as almost being a guitar of the future. And it was created, Lord knows how many years ago. That's exactly what Fender said when they released it. It was an upgrade on the Stratocaster and Telecaster. Well, uh, but it, it well it clearly wasn't because nobody bought it because it was stupid. Well, it was yeah, it, it was ahead of its time, wasn't it? Um, and the reason the reason why I'm thinking of this is because of that really strange uh, rhythm circuit that no one likes. <laughs> think of it like the, this: the, the dreadful tone remover. <laughs> the, the tone remover. <laughs> But think of it like this: the the, uh, the the rhythm circuit's got like an on-off switch, and you can set like a volume and a and a, a tone to it. Yep. That is a pickup preset. Yeah. Guitars. It is, but you can't get a normal pickup. You, you, it's a totally different tone circuit and volume circuit from the t- tone and volume with the normal knobs. Yeah. Yeah. So. Once you flick that on, you've got a basically you've got one preset, and then you yeah. flick it off, and you've got a different preset. 
but guitars, the preset is a muddy, toneless neck pickup. With guitars these days still haven't figured out how to do presets, yet the, the effect units that you're running into have got presets. I mean, even analog pedals have now got switches that have got presets on them. If, if you want presets, take the tone knob off your guitar, flick between the pickups. <laughs> that's a, a neck preset, a middle preset, and a... And a no, that's that's different timbres. I mean, this this goes from from like a, a like a quieter version with with tone rolled off. So maybe like a, a a rhythm preset, and then you can switch all that off with with just one switch, and then you're onto full on rocking lead mode. So it's just no, it's just rock. <laughs> the only good jazz master. Like properly good jazz master, I can think of was Josh Woods, I believe, and it's a silver one with two humbuckers and a Bigsby, so it's as unjazz mastery as you can get. But it's, that's the only way. It, like it, it as the body shape. Yeah, I don't mind it, I'm but not- with the jazz master pickups and. It's, Tone control and <laughs> rhythm control and bridge. Just no. No, your options are put two humbuckers in it and put a Bigsby on it or turn it into a Telecaster. Right. One, one, final, one final thing that I need to, need to mention before we, we wrap this one up. Um, in the Squire uh, range, there's probably like two or three... Um, instruments within their their current range that has that have been kind of um championed as punching well above their price point. Yeah. You've got the classic vibe uh 50s Telecaster. Yeah. You've got the classic vibe 60s Strat, I believe. Yeah. And you've got the J Mascus Jazzmaster. You see I've got no argument against that. Um, uh, and the other thing I thought you were going to say is the the budget end, um, the hardtail jazzmaster they've got as well. I mean that 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 is one of them, but that it doesn't punch. Well, it punches above its price weight, but that's but surely not, because not it's to the same. Yeah, it's like hundred and fifty quid or whatever yeah, the, it was. Two hundred. The, the Jay Mascus is seen as a uh, as a yeah. as a proper. And I can't say anything bargain. against that because. People talk about the J Mascus alongside things like the the um, Johnny Marr Jaguar, and they're like eight hundred quid apart. And people talk about them in the same breath. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's where we wrap it up for uh, for this week's use views. Um, let's know. Let us know in the uh, in the the podcast uh, podcast group who who won the uh, who won won each <laughs> round and who won overall. Because uh, it's it's use views and continue on the continue on the fight as well. If there's some points that you think that we didn't make, yeah. What did I forget? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed use views uh, this week. We've got we've got two kind of news stories to kind of wrap us up this week. Um, we're gonna start off with uh, Toto again. <laughs> so what's been going on, Matt? Let let us uh, let us into this one. So about two hours before this cast, I was trawling through the internet looking for 
things that we could talk about this week because <laughs> we were panicking going shit what are we going to talk about this week yeah um, it was a slow news uh, week again weren't it yeah and i came across an interview on ernie ball's website indeed with is it steve luke lucatha luthica it's luke yeah luke yeah yeah um the AKA, guitarist from yes. toto um who's who's he's quite a good musician in case you didn't realize but um yeah <laughs> yeah um, he's 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 either in an endorsee of Music Man or he's got a Music Man signature. I, I can't remember. He has got um, a, but the, literally called the Luke. Oh, of course. One, yeah, it's <laughs> one, played, of, like, one of the earliest one. signatures. Yeah. <laughs> I've played one. Um, they're really good guitars, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so he sat down for an interview and they were asking him about the way that Africa has blown up you know it's, be, it's become the meme <laughs> let's song. reword that <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, song the, the not the has not been blown it's, up it's still there it's still there yeah no so this the song has has kind of i think the 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 guy who's interviewing says it's kind of gone from being like a, a, a song that's out there in the background to up there with bohemian rhapsody in the way that kind of People are talking about it in the moment, yeah. And you know, it's, it's just asking about it, and um, then starts to talk about the Weezer cover, yeah. Um, to which you know, um, Mr. Luthica Lukather is kind. Um, he says he, he he thanks them for you know taking it back into the charts in the US. I think it got to like 89 on the Billboard 500. And, yeah, considering um, it was released in like 1980, it was like 1982 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he thanks him for that. And, you know, he said that like the whole like meme culture of the song, no one's been laughing as much as kind of Toto have because they've, they've enjoyed seeing it like reach a new audience, basically. Yeah. It's, it's you know, and he said that like they get people from EDM and hip hop kind of asking if they can sample the track, which is just getting it to to new people. Which for a musician is kind of brilliant, isn't it? You want anybody in any genre to be able to kind of understand your your musicianship. Yeah. So so what started out as like almost like a a joke has has turned into uh, a kind of new lease of life on on Toto. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Which, uh, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, I I read the article pretty much just before we started this cast, and uh, although the words uh, from Steve were quite were were kind, there was there was a <laughs> a not so subtle uh, undertone in the uh, in the writing, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah. So he was he was asked. You know, did it? Did they like that the Weezer had spent time to try and learn the nuances? <laughs> to which he burst out laughing. <laughs> Basically, uh, no. He, he like like I say, he's, he's he was very kind about it, but you can almost detect in the responses that um, Steve knows that Toto ain't no. Uh, sorry, that Weezer ain't no Toto. Yeah, I mean, there's a point as well in the article that says since they've released, since Weezer have released their version, <laughs> he's started going a little bit more balls out in the chorus to try and pay homage to them, which I just thought was incredibly funny <laughs> that he's paying homage to the Weezer version. Yeah, 
and they did. They mentioned later on in the uh, in the article that uh, that Steve's very uh, very much considering doing a, a Weezer cover. Yeah, I I can't. I I genuinely hope it happens. I hope they pick a big one. I hope, like we were saying before the cast, yeah, something like Say it Ain't So would just like they just take it to another level. Oh, very much so. They they would put their stamp on it, wouldn't they, uh, Toto? Yeah. What I do kind of want to see, though, and I know this is probably going to be a controversial when I've said that the two Weezer versions of Africa and Rosanna weren't so good. They should complete the trio of massive Toto songs and do Hold, Hold the, the line, line because because of the three, Hold the Line is the one that's most weezery in that there's a lot more guitar in there. It's a little bit more raucous. It's not quite as yeah. I mean, it's still very nuanced and subtle, but that like there are bits where it's full on balls out in your face. <laughs> oh, ho, ho, ho. yeah. <laughs> it is balls out in your face. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, Hold the line is a massive tune. I. From um, Weezer covering Toto, sorry, yeah, Weezer covering Toto. Uh, I've been putting some more Toto stuff on recently, and those guys like absolutely massive, massive musicians. They wrote massive tunes, and it was just it was all so skillfully crafted. Um, so I've I've got Weezer to thank for that, even. Uh, even if I didn't necessarily um, enjoy it as much, I did watch a video of them doing a live version of uh, Africa on uh, the Jimmy Kimmel show, um, and actually weren't as bad as I thought it was. Um, there you go. But just because it's growing on me doesn't mean that it's good. Much like... In fact, I've been getting into the new John Mayer tune, uh, New Light. Get out. I know. Um, it's, it's a catchy I've little ditty. I can't, I can't say anything. I've not heard it. Um, the, the only John Mayer stuff really I've listened to is Continuum and a couple of live things yeah. from like seven years ago. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, if you've, if you've got Continuum and you've got... Uh, the trio stuff live, you're pretty much you're sorted for Maya. I just don't get him. No, nah, no, it's it's fine. It's. I think a lot of people appreciate him because he's got such a refined uh, touch with the guitar. Um, but part of that is what frustrates me so much about him is that he could be writing some absolutely wicked kind of guitar-driven bluesy stuff because he likes it. He he plays it well enough. You can tell that he's really influenced by the likes of Hendrix and and Stevie Ray and, and these kind of yeah. guys and Clapton. Um, but like a good like 70% of what he produces is like kind of billboard pop stuff um because it sells but exactly um not and that's but, that's the big problem i don't think it's just that though i think that's partially what his uh 
his musical influence. That's where his musical influence takes him. Um, I'm not so sure that's true. I think if he went in there just to record what he enjoyed playing, he would write far better music. I think <laughs> he's too busy trying to think about what would help him get his end away with his next conquest. Um, uh, I watched uh, watched an interview with him recently, and I think I think it goes beyond. Just wanted to get his end away. Don't get me wrong. I think that does play a part into into his uh, in, into why he does what he does. But I think he, um, as a person, he seems like he's really, uh, really cerebral, and he he's very analytical, and he'll overthink things. Uh, and it even goes into like his lyrics, where like the the metaphors are sometimes really, uh, really obscure and really um, tangential. Um, and I think part of like his musical output is him trying to be like that next level clever. Yeah, I think he thinks of himself as better than what he is in <laughs> lyrics. Lyrics-wise, I think he does. Don't get me wrong, he's an absolutely fantastic guitarist. I love the stuff that he does live, but the studio stuff just leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. Yeah, he's he, he's very subdued in the studio, isn't he? Um, and as you say, some of the lyrics <laughs> like swing, oh, swing a me. Wet. Um, but, the, I mean, there are some kind of there are some very brief glimpses of genius. There are, but they are very few and far between. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, this weren't about this weren't about John Mayer. This was about Steve Luke. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Toto. Uh, I think if uh, Toto do do a cover of Weezer, that would be awesome, and I want to watch out for that. Yeah, we have got one more thing to talk about this week. Um, We'll we'll do it pretty quick because we're we're past the hour. Um, I saw an advertisement for the Fender Monterey Strat today. It oh, it popped up just before we started podcasting, and I thought that is it's too delicious not to share that. It was uh, yeah. So we t- we talked about the Fender Monterey Strat uh, in the Nam coverage at the start of the year. Um. It was part of a trifecta of um, of Fender guitars, the Ed O'Brien being one of them, um, the Brad Paisley Telecaster, and this Monterey Strat. And they were all touted as kind of coming at, at the uh, the thousand poundish mark, which um, for Mexican made instruments we were starting to feel a bit uneasy about. Um. Yeah, very uneasy because at the end of the day, for a thousand pounds, you can get a decent USA guitar. Um, I've never really been over or been impressed with Mexican output. Like, they don't get me wrong, you get some good guitars out of the Mexican factory, and actually, yeah. my Cabernita is Mexican, so I can't really say I've never played a good <laughs> Mexican. Some guitar. of my best friends are Mexican, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, a lot of the Mexican standard stuff and the Mexican lines just leaves a lot to be desired. It, it 
it kind of doesn't compete with some of the high-end Squire stuff a lot of the time, which when you think of, you know, people always say, oh, I want that F on the headstock. Yeah. Yeah, it's not kind of that way anymore. People are moving away from that. Yeah, yeah. So I think Mexico really ought to up its game if they want to kind of people to to pick that up. Yeah, and, and increasing the price point isn't going to do that, is it? Um, but the, the reason I wanted to talk about this one is because instead of coming in at that grand price mark, it's coming coming in into the shops at six nine nine. Yeah, which is a big drop. Yeah, it's like three hundred pounds off the uh, the prospected RRP. Yeah, um, which <laughs> it's it's almost comical, isn't it? It is like considering they were talking about a thousand pounds. And it's not; it wasn't even released, and they dropped it by three hundred quid. It just shows that I'm guessing the Ed O'Brien or Ed O'Brien, sorry, um, didn't kind of sell as well as they'd hoped. And I'm pretty sure the same with the Paisley. Yeah, because that was that was a couple of months ago that that one came out, wasn't it? Because it was on one of the guitarist magazines. I think the uh, the Paisley covers. was actually out before um, before now. I think they oh, were, was it? they were in yeah they were. In the shops, or they were uh, taking pre-orders on them before the rest of them. Uh, but the the Edo Breens lot come into the shops, and the the buzzers died down from it. But I think, I, as as far as I've heard, they didn't do too badly. Um, yeah. But perhaps they're not putting as much stock in the uh, the Hendrix name here. Then. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the first thing that we did was look at the the kind of specs of this Mexican guitar and I think the specs have gone a long way to them dropping it to 700 quid because yeah. the specs aren't that of a thousand pound instrument. No, no. I mean, we, we looked at it and we couldn't find where the, the value would have been. I mean, we did it at the time, didn't we? I mean, I think you did it with the, the Ed O'Brien and you're like, you could make that yourself from Warmoth for, for less than that. Yeah, I think it came up to about like 600 quid or something, didn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this has got even less kind of stuff in it than the, the from than that Ed O'Brien. There's no Sustainiac to buy. There's no none of that messing around to do. Um, so if we, like, I mean, this this uh, Hendrix one, it's a 7.25 radius, which nobody yeah, wants. It's not for everyone, is it? It's, I've had one guitar with a 7.525 radius and I think I had it for three months. <laughs> um, I, I, I couldn't get on with it at all. I like to bend and you can't bend notes on a, on that <laughs> that kind of radius fretboard. You you might get an octave if you're lucky. Yeah. Sorry, you might get a tone if you're lucky. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could get on with it. If, if I could get a, an octave bend... Mm. I'll have it, but uh, yeah, no. Um, and then, like the other things we were looking at, like the the pickups are vintage style single coil strap pickups. Then they're, they're not like a a, a specific set. Yeah. So there's there's no there's no clout behind that. No, and then it's got the vintage style tuners. Yeah, which everybody hates. And again, it's not it's they're not like Goto tuners, or they're not like or nope. or at least like. American professional vintage tuners. They are literally just bog standard. Vintage yeah. style. <laughs> yeah, bog standard yeah. vintage style tuners, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's a poly finish, not a, a nitro. So you're still getting like the the Mexican poly finishes. Yeah, it just like it's all right. You've got a bone nut, which is about the only thing that's not your standard rubbishy plastic crap. Yeah, um, it's pow ferro board because yeah, fenders they can't be bothered with well, rosewood anymore. Yeah, fenders moved over to it, haven't they? Um, so I mean, you can't really. I'm not holding that that one against them, um, but like you've mentioned, you've mentioned like not really branded um, pickups, or at least nothing nothing to shout about. It's not like vintage noiseless or or whatnot. It is literally yeah. just like vintage style. Yeah, uh, and all of these all of these specs pretty much remind <laughs> me of the the Mexican fifties. Uh, it's either the fifties or the fifties classic or something like that. Yeah, um, it's it, it's nothing to write home about. Basically, it's a standard Mexican guitar with a paint job. Yeah, uh, uh, and like you said, with the Ed O'Brien, they had to change the uh, the neck profile on it as well, so it was a soft V. Um, I can't remember. Yeah. It was something to do with the V. I remember us making incredibly <laughs> lewd jokes about it. Um, no, never. Us? What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a, a non-standard neck profile, so at least you could... I like, think it was a nice deep V. <laughs> <laughs> Got right in on that uh, microphone there. <laughs> Fuck, man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so I think, um, I think, uh, I mean, you could at least justify some of the, uh, some of the price with that. Whereas this is just literally like standard C profile, 7.25 now. Yep. It's just, it's all very, it's paint by numbers almost, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, I mean, we could even link this in with last week's podcast and look what we were saying about the bulk guitars. For for that kind of six nine nine, you can get branded everything, branded pickups, branded bridge, branded tuners. Yeah, a profile of your neck profile of your choosing with a decent radius on it, and um, whatever pickups you want for that kind of money. And I just don't understand why you'd pay. 700 quid for uh, what's basically a Mexican strat. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much the Mexican strats are going for these days, but they can't be too far off, can they? I think they're about 550, I want to say. Yeah, so you, you're paying an extra couple of hundred quid for the a little bit strange paint job. and Yeah, which you can get on a vintage for like 300 quid. Yeah, some, some vintage accoutrements. Um. Yeah, good luck, Fender. Good luck with that one. Mind you. Collectors will buy it. Yeah, someone's going to buy it. I, I imagine we'll be proven wrong. They'll just they'll sell out within a week. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure I'm wrong. I'm generally wrong about things, but I like to think I'm right. Yeah. And I can use lo- the logic to back up my arguments. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out who used logic to back up their arguments the best this week. <laughs> uh, and on that bombshell... That's where we're going to end the podcast for this week. If you want to um, find me on the interweb nets, you go facebook.com slash budget pedal chap, instagram.com slash budget pedal chap, um, youtube.com 
you need to type it in. Uh, this week's video is uh, it will be out by the time this is out. So it's it's a, a little plea to the viewers of the Budget Pedal Chap um, YouTube channel. Uh, I want to know what you guys want to see. Uh, so it's a bit of a change uh, change of pace this week, and I want uh, I want your suggestions of what uh, what we uh, what we're going to be doing next with the channel. Um, and where to go and kind of stuff that you want to see reviewed and some lessons that you want to see done. So that's a pretty exciting stuff. Um, I'll be excited to, to get some feedback on that one. Um, if you want to find Matt online, you check out the Bad Bookers podcast for for one thing, because that's another podcast that he does about the Rasslands. Yeah. If you like the lewd content on this thing, then yeah, it's perfect for you. Indeed. Yeah, you don't even need to come for the wrestling. Just come for the uh, the dick jokes. Yeah. Um, and then it's Matt underscore heel. Heel underscore Matt. Heel underscore Matt Q on Twitter. There we go. I'll get it right one day. Uh, yeah, because it used to be Max Chels, didn't it? It, it did, yeah. I remember but, that um... one. Um, <laughs> uh, so go into our, our Facebook group as well. Um, join in with the conversation uh, based on this week's stuff let us know what you think to use views and let us know who you think won um, clearly there is a winner clearly yeah. but we'll find out the, the uh, man so, sitting on an island <laughs> I know England is an island uh, from I think Scotland and Wales would argue against that I'll argue you <laughs> <laughs> um Episode 49, that is us for the week. From your host, Mr. Budget Pedal Chap. From your other host, what is Mr. Matt Quine. It'll be a goodbye, good night, and tatty, tatty bye for this week. Goodbye, good night, and tatty, tatty bye. Ta-ra a bit. <laughs> All right. See ya. <laughs> Excremento.